and welcome to the Bucket List of Podcast. Join your host, Keith Crockford, along with special guests who have traveled the world, here to share stories of their adventures and plenty of inspo to add to your bucket list. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Bucket List of Podcast. Today, I am back chatting with Dave Blower, one of our guides. And, well, both of us, actually, have just come back from Chile. Good morning, Dave. Morning, Keith. All recovered? Yes, of course. So, so we got back um, So last week, so a few days ago, and I was out leading our Chile and Easter Island trip, and Dave was out on our Patagonia trip. And today I wanted to just um, have a quick chat with Dave and look at that trip and i'll do a i will do a podcast as well at some point on the um on the chile and easter island one but i think if we were to discuss both trips today it would be a very very long podcast because there would be so much to discuss so we're going to split it down and we're going to we're going to look at the patagonia trip today and and i know for a lot of people when you see the the images of patagonia it, it comes on your bucket list and i know it's been on your bucket list for a very long time dave isn't it Yes, it has, Keith. And I'm going to say right here in public, I am so grateful you gave me the opportunity to lead this trip for the first time. Um, it's really, really ticked a box for me. Well, I mean... I, I, Keith, one more thing. I'm saying to all the listeners, I'm going to try and not be too gushy about this trip, but some bits of it, I am afraid, uh, when you've waited a long time and you experience it, you... There's a lot to say. <laughs> well, I mean, Dave, you have waited longer than most, to be fair. Like, oh, true. true. I mean, that, yeah. you know, it was it was your 70th birthday party. Well, yeah. oh, it was your 70th birthday, and you had a party while you were away on the trip. So how could I not let you lead that one when it was going to be your, um, on, on your 70th birthday as well? So happy birthday, Dave, again. I mean, I, I didn't get to see that, you. Thank you. Birthday, it's but... more, more, more a reincarnation than a birthday, I think. <laughs> So we um we flew out together to Santiago, didn't we? And um so I took had my group, Dave had his group, and we actually flew out to Santiago together. And um we had a a short time in, in Santiago before we before we separated off. Um it's a long, a long, long way away, isn't it? People need to you know realize actually. <laughs> To get yes. to, to get down there, it is it is a long time. Well, I, I think all all told, the flight just to get to Santiago was thirteen plus hours, and then uh, we had a day Santiago and a great walking tour. I'm sure you'll talk about that in your podcast. Um, but then you've got another three and a half hours going south, and uh, that's where I think the structure of the trip um, is really important. But I can talk about that in a minute. We'll talk about it now, if you want. We'll talk about it now, yeah. Let's, well, you know, so we, we, we landed in Santiago. You know, we had a, a brief time in Santiago before we separated. And and then you took your group back to the airport for another early start. And then and then you take us away. Yeah. Well, uh, we flying from, we were up very early in the morning, I think four o'clock, um, flying out of Santiago and down to Punta Arenas. Uh, and... Obviously, flying, 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 flying. What the structure of the, the trip is such that I am so pleased that we do, if you like, the touristy stuff to start with. So that 
And the first, I think it's really important because the first thing is when you get there, it does take a while to sink in. Although you've travelled a long time, that you are eight and a half thousand miles away from home in a completely different hemisphere, uh, as close as the Antarctic as you're probably going to get. So you you sort of have to mentally process that. And I think I think what we did was was absolutely um, great down there. We got. Um, the next, we got up, got went out on a, on a bike ride, a, a guided bike ride, which was great. And, and you start to see the kind of place that um, Ponto Arenas is, uh, which is not hugely sophisticated, but everything is there that you need. And, and then uh, wandering around. And then the next day, off to um hotel uh sorry hotel island magdalena magdalena island which is a, a famous magellan penguin cons conservation area and we had dolphins with us on the way out uh massive sea lions on on the magda island before we even got there and, and seals which are very comical actually because the boat goes by they pop out of the kelp almost like a dog so what you know what are you doing out here and then we got we got to the Magdalena Island and around the penguin colony, and it was like being in a David Attenborough film. That's all I can say. Uh, just like you're the photographer, really, because they're so they're so curious, and uh, just to see them and their babies, and uh, you're not allowed to touch them in any way, obviously. But it's just I say just like being in a David Attenborough film, you know, accompanied by dolphins in and out. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful, wonderful day. The following day. I say a bit about restaurants. Lovely food in Chile. I know, you'll agree with that, won't you, Keith? Yeah, and yeah. The, uh, restaurants, beautiful food, and there's such friendly service. They're so people are so glad to see you, and you're glad to see them actually after airplane air food. Um, and the next day, I mean, um, I mean, they do. I mean, you know, obviously, Chile is a a great red wine producer. Oh. Um, so if you if you like steak in red wine. I think Chile probably is one of the places to go in the world. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll say a bit more about red wine later on, <laughs> but nothing compromising. Um, uh, the next day, we drove uh, to Puerto Natales. Well, we we arrived there the night before, actually. And if you look at Puerto Natales on the on the west coast, it's not a very wide strip of land that you're in when you're right down south. Um, it's right on the edge of only a few hours really away from the Patag great patagonian ice sheet so the next day there was a choice for everyone you could either go riding with a gaucho and i mean a guy who can't speak any english uh and he introduces you to his horse by name and and then off you're going climbing up into the foothills uh i've never ridden before but i loved it i have to say i didn't think i was going to but it was great it was great and there was a choice to go to take a boat ride up to where the Patagonian ice sheet tips into the fields, which a couple of the clients did because they weren't keen on horses. They had a whole day. We we had more than half a day. It was absolutely just, I think it settled everybody into the Patagonia groove. You were out with real people. You were right out in the environment. It was just a great way to get over all that flying and all the rest of it. So you, you have a couple of good days, I think. Doing tours, did, did you be, did you become one with your horse? Oh were you, were yes, you yeah, Luna and I, yeah, we, we <laughs> the hell I did. <laughs> anyway, um, 
following the following day is 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 you leave the hotel and the thing is you're now going out into the wilds you're going into the uh toys de pine it's called p-a-i-n-e toys de pine national park a famous famous national park um which is about two and a half hours away uh and what you're taking with you is just a rucksack with everything in that you need to trek for five, six days. You're going to carry everything with you apart from, apart from a tent and a sleeping bag. That's all provided, but you get, you get, so everybody has looked at their bags, stripped down, stripped down. And we've got, we've got bags that we could, we can all carry for, for six days. We meet our young guides who are absolutely bursting with information about, about Patagonia. They love it so much. They're never, ever going to leave. And, uh, things from a botanical point of view, from a fauna point of view, from uh, just geology. They just know everything about the place. So, again, it's it's just like being in the David Attenborough film once you get there. You arrive at a campsite. Now, each of the campsites that we stayed at has got a, a refuge. They call it a refugio. And that is uh, almost like a, a modern wooden Swiss, large Swiss, not quite chalet, but Swiss construction building, which has got uh, a bar, a restaurant inside it, uh, all, all one big open space, and it is rammed with people like you. That's the bit I loved. I mean, I have to say, young people like you. It's ram ram with them, and they've all they're all there because they love Patagonia. Everybody's chatting to everybody. You eat together communally. The food is is. I'm not going to ram on about this, but it's it's, it's lovely. Um, every refugio, you are greeted with a welcome drink. And, of course, mine was chilli and red wine. Uh, and I've never seen so many trekkers drinking red wine. Normally, you go to a refuge and they're knocking back a beer, not in chilli, there's big glasses of red wine. So, um, anyway, uh, it, it's the place is humming, really, but it's with human activity and people talking and connecting to each other. So it's, it's a really lovely, lovely atmosphere. The very thing I love, and I know our bucket listers have loved it too. Um, and then uh, that's it. You're, you're coming. You're coming there tonight. Now the, the trek that we do is called the, the two treks in Torres de Paine. There's the, the O trek, which my guess goes right around the national park, and there is the W trek, which goes in and out of the key points. Uh, our trek follows the W, and we do it in a reverse order, which I think. Again, it's really clever. It was recommended to us, and I'm glad we did it. The first day, we actually leave that leave that campsite uh, and leave all our gear because we come back to it that night, and then we go out to the Torres del Paine, which are these three famous look on, look online three famous towers with a massive glacial lake underneath. It's a, it's quite a climb up, and actually, it's the hardest day that you do. It's about 22 kilometers. Um, and it's up, up, up all, all the way, graded a bit, but it's up, up, up. Um, but and it's the most dramatic site in the park, and you 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 have them in view all the time. We're doing the W because you keep re-seeing them, if you like. But other aspects of the scenery, and again, it's just um, a feast for the eyes. I mean, that's a bit of a cliche, but it really is. It's just it, fantastic. And what was exciting for me and for the guides. And at least one other of the bucket listers is that the middle tower, and again, I'm going to say to you, look it up. When you see the thing, 
halfway up, there was what we call a porter ledge. So there were climbers. It was only a team of two who were spending three days getting to the top. And what they do is they take a, a little, uh, it's almost like a little camp bed that you actually secure into the rock face and you lie on at night. Um, and it was a, you could just see through binoculars this tiny porter ledge. There's two guys up there. So it, it was very exciting. Um, anyway, down we come. And then from there, you, you, you're carrying on doing the W and you go to var various what are called camps, the Italian camp, the French camp. The next big area is, is the, um, I'm truncating this, the French, the French Valley. And you climb up to a viewing point there and you just got, um, you know, you have hanging valleys in Wales. Well, these are hanging valleys with glaciers in <laughs> right in front of you. Uh, and avalanche is happening during the day because the, the, the sun is strong out there. I will say something about the weather. Um, it's, it's just drama after drama after drama. And I can't convey it just talking to you, Keith. It's just so... Uh, I mean, I've been to glaciers before. I've walked on glaciers. I've climbed on glaciers. But actually, you're surrounded with, with the things once you, once you get up high. And it's like the water that's pouring down. You only need to take one water bottle because every stream, this place is so unspoiled, every stream you come across, you can fill up and drink it. And it's ice cold, melted glacier water, no pollution, nothing. So there are hardly any animals up there. There is one which I'll, I'll mention later um, in particular. But so the water is clean and we all of us just drank out of the streams. It was like going back to a, a silver age, really. Ah. Oh. Well, more of the same as you go on. As you go on. And I'm not, you know, I say more of the same. There's one part, one point in the check when you're walking right next to a vivid blue, cerulean blue uh, glacial lake with white stones. And it looks like this must be somewhere in the Caribbean and it's a, and it's a sea, but it's not. It's just, it's a, it's a meltwater, huge, huge lake. And we, and we walked past two or three of those. Um, and in terms, you of, in terms of all the trekkers then, Dave, did you, yeah. was there many, did it feel really busy while you were there? Or uh, no, that's that, I'll tell you what happens is that you, you're on the trail and you meet, you might have a couple of Zuma Europeans go past you and, and you might see a, a small group of maybe Americans or another nation sitting in the trees, eating eating their, what they call box lunch, pack lunch, that you, everyone gets every day. But you're not walking with hordes. You know, you're walking as a group, talking, walking, laughing, pointing things out to each other, photographing. You, you just, although the trail is narrow because they don't want you tramping in this virgin land, um, you're, not walk, you're not walking against the tide or with loads of people with you at all whatsoever. But what does happen is... You get to the refuge, and that's where people have, have accumulated during the day. But they've come from different directions, so that's where you meet your. If you like, I talked about the place being humming, but that's where you meet your groups of people, campers, and people are using a little restaurant that's there, um, but not on the trail. No, not at all. And I think that's got to be true because um, because you've got to stay on on the train, you don't meet anyone. You've got things like condors flying overhead. I forgot, there's all this wildlife, condors flying overhead. Um, we, we saw um, a puma sprint on the ground. Um, 
and the Pumas and Warren and the flatlands below the Pampas, they call that, but but the Pampa, but um, there's there's wildlife all around in all this stuff. And I think if there, if there were hordes going along, it'd be it'd be miles gone. And yeah. picture, people have got little fabulous pictures. If you're interested in birds as well, uh, beautiful pictures of birds, gaudy woodpeckers right next to you. You know, uh, enough of that. Um, yeah. So no, it's, it's so, so you're so you're managing to get your photos then with. Oh, with not hordes of tourists in there in no, trekkers, look, and you you feel like you have it to yourself. You absolutely do. And I took with me a serial bucket lister, who you will know, Jane. And what Jane likes to do is her ninth trip, I think. She likes to walk at the back slowly, worry me to death. I think she's lost, but she never is. And she takes loads of photographs. Well, well, she uh, her phone was full, I think, nearly. She then went on to another camera, a little camera, and was photographed. There is tons to photograph. Uh, I know I'm, I'm rubbish at that, but even, even I got some spectacular pictures. You can't help it. They, they say, take me, take me. Um, yeah, so that's what it's like. Um, I just want to talk about another, just another highlight quickly. Yeah. On the, the um, last day on the trail, so you've had five or six days of this, uh, there is an option to get in a kayak, and paddle out to what's called the Grey Glacier. Now, the Grey Glacier is just an extension of the great Patagonian ice field. You know that massive ice field that you see on nature programs? Well, it's th- it's just a little tongue of that. And uh, we, we, you, you kayak over what's called uh, the Hidden Lake, and you, and you go out, Grey Lake, and you go out to it. Um, look, I didn't get... To, I, we couldn't get to right, obviously very close because the thing is carving all the time. But you know, you pull up by an iceberg in your kayak, <laughs> and it's great instruction. And you're in always in a double kayak, so it's very very stable. And you're sitting inside, and you've been given uh, a wetsuit, a good wetsuit. You've got good gear on. Your hands are covered. You, you, you know, you're not cold in any way. In fact, I got I got quite hot doing it. Um, but you pull up next to an iceberg, uh, well, blue ice, you know, proper proper iceberg, and there you are. I mean, just you know, again, just start being in a documentary of some kind. That, that, that was, was a, that was a that was a, an added extra on, wasn't it? That was a yes, it, it was, it was. And I think uh, everyone chose to do that. No, not not everyone. Um, a, a couple didn't, but uh, more than half the group did, and they were so glad they did. Uh, and then you make your way back and you get on a, a, a motorised catamaran, which takes you to a bus, uh, which then the bus then takes you back to your hotel, Hotel Natalis. Um, so you jump on a local a local bus there, but it's, you know, it's like a coach. It's really nice. Um, but the other thing is you realise how, just two things, how remote you are. One is that the main road you take up a Punta Arenas to Puerto Natalis is in Spanish. It's called the end of the world highway. Which I think is groovy. Yeah. And the other thing is, when you get when you get on the on the local proper bus to to ride back to Puerto Natales, it's not made up roads. You're cruising down dirt roads, and the bus is skidding a bit around the corner. I mean, it's all safe, but but it, you know, you you're in a a wild are, and lonely place. Yeah, yeah you are really very are. remote. Yeah, you really are. It's just you know, right up my street, and I I know the bucket listers loved it. I know they did. So what would you say then, Dave, was your, your three highlight takeaways from the trip if you had to pick three? Three? If I had to pick three? Yeah. 
Well, it's definitely going to the towers. Uh, it's a bit of a slog up there, obviously, um, but definitely seeing seeing those towers and that backdrop and awe and wonder, right? Absolutely encapsulated there. I, I love that. Um, I loved sit for me um, just by the campsite. The uh, South American woodpeckers on the ground, on a log, bright red head, looking so, uh, I don't know what the word is, uh, different, uh, uh, amazing, and you're so close to them and they're not scared of you. Um, you just told you over and over again, this place has not been mucked around with, by humans. And uh, the third thing was, oh, I'm going to say this, <laughs> Going up to the bar saying, we're a group and we have a welcome to you. Oh, yes. How many of, of you are there? Well, there's seven of us this time. He said, oh, well, there's six glasses in a bottle. Do you mind if I give you two bottles of wine? <laughs> there you are. There's a, there's a draw one for you. <laughs> and uh, and I, didn't, who would you, I didn't mind. And who would you say then um, is a perfect candidate for this trip? Look. What happened this time was we had we had quite a proportion of bucket listers who've been on treks before, one, or uh, in the other cases, people who who've been and trekked in other places. And what I think personally, when talking to them, was of all the people I've talk, spoken to, I know this trip is a long way away, so it costs a lot of money and all the rest of it, but there's an instalment plan and all the rest of it. But I think they were, of all the buckets we know, I said one has been nine times. They are the, if you like, the bravest ones. So Patagonia was somewhere, oh, this is very different, and they're first to go. But you don't have to be brave to go there. If you can stand the, the flying... And I think with this in mind, a lot of people go to Australia, don't they? Because they want to, you know, it's the same as that, really. If you can stand the flying, you don't have to be brave. It, you, you're not on some uh, godforsaken place where you're going to get blasted by the elements. Although the, the, I have to say the weather does flip from, you know, some quite uh, excessive things, from high wind to very, very warm to a little bit of rain. You know, it moves around quite a lot. And, um, but you're not going to a place where you've got to be some intrepid explorer. Um, anyone could, anyone who's fit to do any of our treks could do it. Um, Perfect. And, and would, you, would, you, would you go back again? Oh, I, I'd love to. But I tell you, I, I was talking to you just before this podcast started. You know what I'm like? I, I, mean, I, I do these treks for the first time. And between us, we write it up and make sure it actually goes like a Rolls Royce, you know. And we've got this. This is a great trip, great trek anyway, and some little tweaks to it. And we take advice from our bucket listers. So we've done that, done that, done that. And I would love to go back. But I think, I really do think that our other guides, Gareth and Jake, people know them, young guys, they need to get there and get it on their CV. Yeah. Because it, the people you meet down there, I've, I've said at the very beginning of this, they are people who've travelled, done lots of things, and they've had to wait to do it. Um, it, it is really one of the tracking nirvanas. Well, Definitely. Dave, thanks ever so much for coming on and going through the trip. 
Um, hopefully that's inspired some of you listeners to to go and have a look. And I'll put a link in the show notes on the podcast to to take you to the trip where you can see some more photos and stuff of of what Dave's been talking about. And we will we will do a blog post as well where we can put some more. And maybe I'll have a word with our bucket list of Jane and see if I can get some of her five thousand photos to <laughs> to more. show people as well. <laughs> we won't keep you any longer, Dave, because you need to go and pack. Because Dave, you are off at the weekend to Morocco on our Sahara Desert trek with another yes again so have a great time on that one yeah thanks so much everyone for listening hope you've enjoyed this podcast please do like and subscribe to the podcast because that helps us with Apple and also lets you know when the next episode is coming out so until next week thank you very much goodbye thanks for listening to this episode of the Bucket Lister podcast be sure to click follow to be alerted for next week's episode for more travel inspiration check us out at www.thebucketlistcompany.co.uk or follow us on socials see you next time